I'm going to go back to saying my network, the power of networking. I found so much success, not only with Chefs Without Restaurants becoming its own thing, but with my own personal chef business, having the support system. You know, for me, I'm getting a lot of referrals from other people in my network. I'm able to get so much information for free, you know, instead of having to pay to get another degree or take a course. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a perfect guest on the show today. I have Chris Spear of Perfect Little Bites. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Definitely excited to have you on as well, too, and have been looking forward to it as well. And before we jumped in, I wanted to read a little bit more about Chris so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Chris is the chef and owner of Perfect Little Bites, an in-home personal chef business based in Frederick, Maryland. He's also the host of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast and the man behind the culinary networking organization, of the same name. A graduate of Johnson & Wales University, Chris has been working in the food service industry for almost 30 years, and he's a previous contributor to our CB Nation site and a neighbor in the DMV area, and I absolutely love his passion and the way that he's been able to create network and community around the things that he's most passionate about. So Chris, are you ready to speak to the IMCEO community? I am ready. Awesome. Well, let's do it then. So to kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit and hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story. Yeah, so I'm in the food business and I've always wanted to be a cook or a chef for as long as I can remember. I There's nothing else I really wanted to do. So uh, the only thing I've ever done is work in kitchens. Uh, I started cooking at the age of 16. I went to culinary school for four years and got my bachelor's degree for four years uh, you know, in culinary arts. Uh, and then I got out into the industry and started cooking. And I've been doing that uh, for 20 something years now professionally. But I never really worked, well, I never worked in a restaurant. I was going to say never really. I haven't worked in a restaurant, which people think is funny. They say, you've been in the culinary industry for 30 years and you've never worked in a restaurant? No, I've you know, worked in catering companies. I worked in retirement communities. I've worked in hospitals. I worked at Ikea. And I just kind of wanted to blaze a different path. And about 15 years ago, I kind of had this idea of being an in-home personal chef. It kind of came out of something I was doing at a catering company I was working for. And it just kind of sat in my head. And about 10 years ago, I thought, you know, let's give it a try. I mean, it's something you can do as a side hustle, see if it works out. And it did. And I kind of balanced a full-time job with that for about five years. And then five years ago, I quit the job I had been at for a decade to start my own in-home personal chef business. Nice. I definitely appreciate that, especially the part about blazing your own trail, because I think, um, you know, throughout, I guess, the years, especially this year, I think there's been a kind of monkey wrench in everything we thought was normal, and this is how it should be. And I love that you've been able to kind of be in that trailblazer path and being able to kind of gradually, you know, build into what you're you're doing now. So I absolutely appreciate that. Well, and industries evolve so much. You know, when I went to culinary school, I graduated in 98. We barely even had the internet, you know, mm. and, and now looking at all the things you can do in food. I mean, I went to culinary school thinking I was going to leave and be a cook and then a chef at a restaurant. Nobody even really explained to me that you could go work at, you know, a retirement community or do research and development. And now there's the whole added thing of being a content creator. I mean, people are making money 
just from home, you know, working with companies and um, doing the marketing kind of stuff and blogging. And that wasn't even something you dreamed of. So kind of being open along the way to kind of see what new things were out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, there's a, uh, I think it's a quote that's saying, you know, the way, to, the way to truly involve or really the power is in not, you know, being like a rock and being solid and never changing, but being like water, being able to kind of form, um, being able to change and evolve and understand that things won't always be as they always have been. So I think you definitely have nailed that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think there's no shame in changing your mind. A lot of people, I feel, get stuck on this idea, especially once there's, you know, like a sunk cost of like, I went to culinary school, they feel like they have to then see it through. Otherwise, they're a quitter. It's like, no, it's okay to change your like, if you want to leave the industry completely, and you know, go become an accountant, like that's okay, too, if that's what you should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we we kind of keep in mind like how transferable certain skills are. Like even if you decide to be an accountant, you went to culinary school, who says you couldn't do accounting for, you know, food entrepreneurs or something along those lines. So we just have to change the way that we're thinking and looking about uh, other different things. So definitely love that you've been able to do that. So I wanted to drill down a little bit more and hear how you're working with your clients and how you serve them. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that looks like? So what I want to do is bring a full restaurant experience into your home. You know, a lot of personal chefs do weekly meal prep. Uh, some of them have one client. What I want to do is just replace going out to eat. So I'm going to build you a customized menu. So I want to find out about you, uh, the people coming to dinner, whether it just be a spouse or a small dinner party. What do you like? What don't you like? Any allergies? And then I'm going to build you a customized menu around that with a lot of choices. There will be a dozen soups, a dozen salads, etc. And then I show up to the house. I bring my own cooking equipment. I bring all the china, silverware, I'm going to set your table, and then I'm going to cook the food fresh there and then serve it to you like you're in a restaurant. And, you know, that was something I was doing for 10 years before the pandemic. And then this past year, especially as people were becoming less reluctant to going out to dine, uh, it seemed less risky for them to just have one person come into their house than to go out to a big crowded restaurant. And that's been really great because I think a lot of people who had never done this before now have discovered this and I'm hoping that it's going to be a continuing trend. I wanted to ask you now for what I call your secret sauce and this could be for yourself personally or the business or a combination of both but what do you feel kind of sets you apart and makes you unique? I think that in the cooking world my creativity you know one of the things that I've always said is I don't want to make you food that you can get at a restaurant which is kind of a hard sell because a lot of times people come and they say I really want, you know, like a good steak and I love a loaded mashed potatoes and I can do some of that and I have to do a lot of that. But what I really want is people to have a totally unique dining experience where they're having my dishes. I think what we get into is, you know, you go out to a restaurant because you want to eat that restaurant's food. But when people hire a personal chef, they're thinking that you can recreate anyone else's dishes and that all of a sudden, like, I'm going to be making chicken parm or I'm going to be making, you know whatever from their favorite restaurants like i don't want to just be interpreting other people's work i want to be doing my own thing and again like kind of showcasing my creativity and uh and what i'm doing so i know not all personal chefs go off and do as much of their own stuff a lot of them really bend over backwards to make what the client wants and not that i don't want to make what the client wants but i want them to understand that i'm i have my own unique offerings Absolutely appreciate that. And I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? You know, I'm going to go back to saying my network, the power of networking. I found so much success 
not only with Chefs Without Restaurants becoming its own thing, but with my own personal chef business, having the support system, you know, for me, I'm getting a lot of referrals from other people in my network. I'm able to get so much information for free, you know, instead of having to pay to get another degree or take a course, people can help out. But also, um, you know, it's lonely when you have your own business, especially if it's a small business. I mean, I'm a solopreneur. I went from running a kitchen where I had 125 employees to like literally no coworkers overnight. And I just kind of missed the camaraderie and being able to you know, commiserate and share experiences with other people, but finding a network, a group of people, you know, even if it's like five people on the internet that you've never met in real life, I think if you can connect with, with people, um, that's what I would totally recommend. And, you know, you hear all this thing in business about you're the sum of the people you spend your time with. And I think, you know, find those people who you want to be like or who are doing really cool things or just super supportive like positive people i think you spend too much time with negative people and they bring you down i definitely had people in my life i had to cut out because they thought it was irresponsible that you know i had a wife and two kids and a mortgage and i was leaving a secure job to start my business and there's only so many times you can hear these people tell you you're making a mistake um that you need to just kind of separate yourself and find the right people who are going to support you Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I want to ask you now for what I call a CEO nugget. So this could be a word of wisdom or a piece of advice. It might be something if you were to hop into a time machine, you would tell your younger business self. I don't want to use the expression, just do it. But, you know, that kind of mentality of, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, go try it. If there's a way you can do whatever you want to do, and it's not gonna, you know, put your whole life in turmoil or at risk and, you know, what's, what's the shame? What's the harm in trying, you know? Um, and for me, it was starting a business on the side where it's like, okay, I can do this. I can dedicate a little money, some hours. If it doesn't work, okay, I don't have to leave my job. I can stay here. But that voice in your head, that's like telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. You know, that's just your, yourself trying to self-preservation, right? Uh, and just get out there and, and try it, do whatever it is that you feel your calling is and see how it goes. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And that's why I love um, kind of like, a, I guess, a startup mentality that you can have to an idea that you have. And I think especially in this day and age, we don't have to, you know, go from zero to 60 or zero to 100 in terms of building a business. You can do it on the side. You can test it out. You can do a questionnaire to see if anybody would potentially want to buy those products or services. So I think if we start to, you know, test out those ideas or those hypotheses that we have, then we can start to kind of lean more into that business or whatever that idea is. But just doing it doesn't mean taking out a bank loan and then starting directly from that, that, that space. Well, and start it before you need it. You know, like if you're working a job and you're getting frustrated and you feel like you're going to quit, like maybe now is the time to figure out that exit strategy before you just have to leave where you're at because of frustration. Cause that's where I was at. I was at a job that I didn't enjoy anymore. And I took a deep breath and said, okay, I'm going to figure out this personal chef thing. It's been bugging me for a number of years. And like I said, it took me five years to, to get out, but I decided t tomorrow I'm going to start, you know, and I think everyone can do that. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing, you know, that because I think so many times too, we don't hear of the journey, we don't hear the steps that it takes, we don't hear of the five years, we just see kind of like where you are, the success that you've been able to have, and we don't um, understand that journey and how, you know, you gradually, you know, built up from there. And I think so many times too, that we can allow our, you know, our um, fears, and sometimes the fears of our friends and people around us to kind of stop us before we even get started. So just doing it is so huge. 
Yeah, there's a million uh, cases where it didn't work, right? But there's also a million cases where it did work. So again, like you're, you're programmed to focus on the negative, like that's just how we're wired, right? And try to train yourself to start looking for positive stories and you'll find a bunch of reasons why you should do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, I wanted to ask you now my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. We're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Chris, what does being a CEO mean to you? It means being able to be my true self and run a business the way I want to uh, for me, which means uh, having a lot of integrity. You know, I've had to work a lot of places where I had to do things that I didn't necessarily agree with because that was part of the job. And now being able to run my own business on my terms. Nice. I, I love that definition because I think it even speaks to what we kind of even talked about and you talk about on your podcast is, you know, figuring out like how you want to build your business, whether it be integrity values, so many different things, you don't have to run the business this way. You get to kind of be like an artist or even be like a chef and, you know, create the recipe that you want to create in your life and in your business. And I think when you have that power to be able to do that, um, and then you take the steps to do that, then the world is really your oyster. Yeah, I think anytime you feel like you're powerless, that's not a good situation. I think that happens to almost everyone who's working a job is like, you're not 100% in control. Uh, having your own business, I mean, you might have to do things you don't love, but ultimately you're in control whether or not you work with that client or, you know, go in this direction. It's your choice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I don't know if you would feel this way, but I almost feel like a lot of that powerlessness might come from not being aware, you know, and that's why I love the podcast and everything you do. Cause once you hear somebody's story and like, oh, they did X, Y, and Z, maybe I can do it because you start to realize that is a reality and that is something that can actually happen. Yeah. I just had a guest on my show recently who also podcasts and he has some amazing guests. And I was like, not to discredit them, but I was like, how did they get those guests? Like, did they just ask them? And that night I just decided to start emailing all the people I wanted to have on the show and all these people said yes. But it was just thinking like, wow, if this person could get those guests, I'm sure I could get those guests on my show, you know, but for whatever reason, I just hadn't worked up the courage to reach out to those like kind of my stretch goals, you know, who, who do I really want to have on the show who I think is maybe above my reach and just go for it. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that because to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, it kind of sounds like that imposter syndrome where sometimes we can have where we cannot realize that we are doing really awesome things and we can, you know, reach out to whoever that guest is or even start that business or do whatever that thing is. And sometimes we're waiting for that perfect time, but we might already have everything we need to be able to take those steps. We just need to take that action. We talk about imposter syndrome on almost every episode, you know, because so much of people's perception of the food industry is like chefs in restaurants. And so many of us feel like we're not quote unquote real chefs. You know, even these guys that I admire and look at, they get it too, because they're not working in a Michelin star restaurant. They haven't won a James Beard award. They don't have a cookbook, things that people on the street, you know, everyone says like, oh, you're a chef, where do you work? And then you tell them you cook in a retirement community and they're like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. like you can't even convince them that you're doing really important, awesome stuff. So yeah, we talk about that almost weekly. Yeah. So that's why I appreciate you, you know, sharing that. And of course you cover that, you know, in the show. So Chris, truly appreciate that. And I appreciate your time even more. What I want to do is just pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know, of course, how best they can subscribe to your podcast, find out about the organization and all the awesome things that you're working on. 
I don't think I have anything to add. Uh, you can definitely find me on the internet at Chefs Without Restaurants. So my podcast is called Chefs Without Restaurants. You can find me at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org. And then my other business, Perfect Little Bites. If you go to perfectlittlebites.com or uh, on my Instagram, you can see my work and what I'm actually going out there making. So I'd love to connect with people. Anyone who's interested in food, cooking, or any of that, come find me. Absolutely. And to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information in the show notes as well, too. So thank you so much, Chris, for all the awesome things you're doing and telling your story so transparently and authentically and being you and reminding us of how important it is for us to be us as well, too. Thank you so much again, my friend, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Don't forget to schedule your complimentary digital marketing consultation at blue16media.com. This has been the I am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.